This is a Broad Pods production. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. Hello, it's Cecilia, the producer. In this episode of Broad Radio On The Go, we've got Rana Hussein co-hosting with Joe Stanley and a couple of really, really great chats ahead about what women want. I wonder, what do you think about uh, paying for sex? A male gigolo. Well, we talked to Renee Webster. She is a film director who explored that very topic just recently. And Denise Kickett, who uh, is the wife of Derek Kickett, the footballer, who they've gotten together to make a podcast to talk about all things First Nations and the questions that people can ask. But the real question is, would you want to work with your husband? Here's Joe and Rana. Well, Kickstarting the Yarn is a brand new podcast hosted by Denise and Derek Kickett discussing topics related to everything First Nations, but specifically keeping children and young people in out-of-home care safe and connected to their kin, country, community and culture. It's such a critical thing that this podcast is doing and such an important conversation. And Denise joins us now. Hi there, Denise. Hiya. So Kaya means um, hello in my language. Oh, Joe tell me the Mama word again. Can you, can you say Kaya. that word again? Kaya. Kaya. It's, oh, it's lovely Kaya. to... Kaya. I have a friend who's just named her daughter Kaya, oh, which is lovely. Beautiful. Yeah. Kaya to you today. Yeah, so yes. it, means, it means hello in, in Noongar language. So Noongar is where I'm on the lands of Noongar people today, which is the Wajak. I'm a tr- traditional custodian for this area, so... Um, I was living in Melbourne, actually, for about 25 years off and on, obviously, because you guys know I'm married to Derek. Um, you know, I followed my crazy husband around with his football. So <laughs> it's lovely to be home back on Wajak country, mm. where I'm originally from. I'll bet. Can you tell us what's the goal of Kickstarting the Yarn, your podcast with Derek? Sure. So when Derek was in the jungle with um, with a few of the crew inside, you know, that show called um, I'm Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Mm-hmm. So it was an idea that I came up with um, that, you know, maybe we could use some of that um, conversation that he had with Dylan Lewis to mm-hmm. actually um, put the word out there around kickstarting the yarn about Aboriginal culture, First Nations culture, 
Um, and what does it actually mean when we're talking about, you know, a yarn? Because a lot of non-First Nations people come up to myself and Derek constantly and want to, you know, want to know about anything to do with culture in this country around First Nations stuff. And so I thought it would be a good idea just to have this um, in a podcast. And the people that I work with, Key Assets Australia, are a fantastic organisation. Um, and, you know, sometimes we're unlucky enough that we actually get a First Nations child that comes into our care. Um, and I say unlucky because, you know, our kids belong with their parents, obviously. But due to circumstances, you know, sometimes that can't happen. And so, you know, a lot of our foster carers um, don't have the knowledge and don't have the understanding of, you know, what are some of the cultural complexities around that. And so I thought to lighten it up a little bit as well, like to just, you know, do the podcast with my husband um, and maybe just have a bit of a chat around any anything that, you know, we get conversated about in regards to culture. And a lot of it comes around language, um, connection to country, what, is it, what does that mean? And so, yeah, there's lots of, you know, lots of conversations that come up around, um, you know, <laughs> how you kickstart the yarn and how can you? And so when Dylan and Derek um, started that in the, in the jungle, and the same with Bucks, you know, Nathan Buckley um, and Poe, mm -hmm. they were really interested in what Derek um, had to say around his culture. And so I thought, you know, why not, you know, do the podcast and start kickstarting the yarn, continue the, continue the yarn. So, Denise, this is a podcast for non-Indigenous people or who's your primary audience? So it's for, um, it's for anybody, really, Lana. So it, it's mainly for people who, um, you know, want to know about First Nations culture. Um, it's for our members. It's for our, you know, people that are involved with Key Assets Australia. But it's mainly for anybody who wants to, you know, listen to things around how to cultural uh, protocols, how you can, you know, have, an, have a conversation around, um, you know, anything to do with culture. So realistically, the audience is for anybody, anybody who wants to listen to it, anybody who might be a fan of Derek when he played um, mm. football for Essendon and, and Sydney Swans and, and North Melbourne. So, yeah, pretty much anybody, actually. I'm interested, Denise. I feel like I've worked in sport for a little while now and um, in inclusion and diversity, and I feel like people's attitudes are changing, but there's still a lot of fear when it comes to engaging in cultural practice and learning about it. Do you think it's a fear of getting it wrong or what do you think that's about? No, it is. It's always people, you know, scared they're going to put their foot in their mouth. Um, around making sure, I don't know how to, you know, I don't know, understand when you talk about connection to country, what does that mean? Or how do I, how do I find out um, about getting, organising a welcome to country? Um, and, I, and I say to people, you know, the internet and the Google search engine, you type in First Nations, you type in welcome to country, bang, you've got a whole world of information just coming at you. Um, but the other thing I, I let people know, because I do do cultural awareness workshops as well, um, the other thing I do let people know is that when you do research on the internet, try to research an Aboriginal organisation, um, an mm. Aboriginal community-controlled organisation. They generally have all the information from your local area where you're living that would be able to, you know, share that knowledge with you, what you want to find out. How do I get an elder to come in and do a welcome to country? Mm. How do I get somebody to come and do a smoking ceremony? Um, and you can also, you know, contact your local council 
your local shire council, they, they're very knowledgeable about, you know, who their constituents are and who their people are that are living within their, their local area. And so, yeah, there's lots of avenues that you could... Um, that you could find out about, you know, First Nations culture because, you know, and I heard Shelley Ware speak last week around NAIDOC, mm. um, which, you know, I love Shelley when she talks and, you know, the mm. knowledge that she has, especially around NAIDOC, you know. Um, it's really good to get out there and out and about and, and find out what's happening in your community because knowledge is power, you know, as we know. And so once you start to build that knowledge of, you know, understanding what First Nations cultures are all about, especially as we are the oldest continuing culture in the world, it's really important for people to, you know, acknowledge that and claim that and own that. Like, you know, you're a part of this country that has the oldest continuing culture in the world. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm really proud of that and I like to share that with a lot of people that come up and want to have a chat. Um, and there's some people in this country, Joe and Lana, that just haven't met a First Nations person. Mm. Denise, you know, it's an interesting and so thing. sometimes there is that... Yeah, well, I was just going to say, so Shelley is one of our co-hosts and I know that you work with her as well and she's such a beautiful um, advocate for exactly what you're saying. Be proud of this country, all of us. This is a shared, um, beautiful culture because we're all Australians, right? Um, but we were talking earlier today that the responsibility falls very much on you to share your mm. culture and really it should be on us to explore the culture. It shouldn't always be a burden on yourselves. Yeah, but it goes back to that, you know, Joe, if not you, who? <laughs> yeah, because right. if people, you know, people are so busy in their own lives, in their own, you know, life that they don't have the opportunity to, um, you know, just go, well, I'm going to learn about First Nations culture. Um, and you'll find that a lot of people that are new to this country, new Australians, I call them, um, they, they want to find out. It's just like when we go overseas, we want to find out where the best restaurants are, you know, what language they're speaking and all of that stuff. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes here in Australia, there's, you know, people are so busy and caught up in their own worlds that they, they don't really want to do it unless it's, um, you know, a compulsory thing that they have to do in their workplace, like you know, starting to do the acknowledgements to country and, you know, organising a mm. welcome to country because NAIDOC week has come around or, you know, something's trending with First Nations people. So, yeah, so it does become a, a bit of a burden, burden on First Nations people to actually articulate that and, and get that word yeah. out. But we like to start to create those ripples of, ripple effects, you know, where you, you become that pebble and you drop it into the ocean or, and then it starts to create that ripple effect. And we're hoping that those circles of people that we have conversations with, they will take it back to their, you know, mm. people and their friends. And, and so the conversation begins. But it goes back to that, you know, that old saying, if not you, who? So mm. Derek and I are both passionate about our culture and about, you know, especially the next generation coming through. Um, we, want them, we want them to be proud of their culture, you know, really yeah. be proud to be called First Nations Australian. Mm. Um, and not only that, but to build relationships with, non-First Nations people as well, you know, because they're our next generation. And so the footprint that they leave on this country has to be, you know, in recognition and in honour of this land as well, because mm -hmm. we are such land and, you know, and our, our land is, we are nothing without the land. And so we've got to make sure that we can build strong relationships as a human um, being to make sure that this earth is going, going to be looked after.
Well, the podcast is called Kickstarting the Yarn. How is it doing a podcast with your husband? There is no way. Oh, I have to say, Denise, I years ago tried and we got one episode out of us and then we stopped. So I'm desperate to know how this is going for you. Oh, look, we had a fantastic producer. Um, <laughs> she's a, a young a young lady from, and she actually works with Key Assets as well. She just, you know, she was just fantastic. She kept us on track um, <laughs> and she knew when to, you know, the editing parts, and, you know, there's some movies <laughs> in there, but, uh, <laughs> but it's all good. I, I absolutely love, you know, doing the podcast with Derek. We did 10 episodes. We're going to do another series as well. Um it was just, you know, because of those passions that Derek and I both mm. have, he's worked in the justice system, you know, outside of football. I've worked in the not-for-profit sector. I've, you know, done cultural. I, I consider myself a cultural architect because I'm always building up my culture in a way that, you know, sharing and and educating um, and giving those knowledge, knowledge about First Nations stuff to a lot of people who are really interested. And so it was quite easy, Lana, because Derek and I are very passionate about our culture. And any information that we can share with um, people that are listening, and we're just hoping that you know they can absorb that information and start to to build their own cultural learning journey, but also to you know share with others Wonderful. about the history of this country. So yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Denise, and thank you to your husband Derek, also Denise and Derek Kickett. Kickstarting the Yarn is the podcast. Do check it out. Thanks, Denise. Broad Radio, talking inspo we love, info we need and sharing more of us. Watch and listen live every Tuesday 9am Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time at broadradio.com.au or find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn at Broad Radio Oz. Talk to us live. Call on 1300 8 Broad. Catch up on demand anytime, anywhere. Every time, everywhere. On the train, we'll be here. 2am existential crisis? <laughs> We've got you covered. Broad Radio. Here for more. I'm so happy, Rana. Oh. It's actually happened. We've managed to get across <laughs> to Perth. Um, I'm just a voice here again. <laughs> here I'm she so is. pumped oh, for we've, this chat. We've managed, yes, to oh, connect hello. with Renee Webster, who is the writer-director for New Aussie Film, How to Please a Woman. I'm so happy that you've joined us, Renee, because I totally got the time to... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. 
reference wrong. I apologise for that. Uh, it's so fine. I'm here <laughs> fresh from a school camp drop-off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nothing like Very that. Very important business, that. Oh, it is. But how good is that Absolutely. feeling too when you've dropped them off and you're like, now you can go and exhale. <sighs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, congrats on the film, uh, How to Please a Woman. It's sexy. It's fun. I found it really moving. It celebrates women over 50 and our sexuality. And it's it's honestly, I mean, it feels quite revolutionary to see a film in which you see women with normal bodies of normal ages being sexy and wanting pleasure. What an extraordinary thing you did. Oh, thank you. I mean... It shouldn't be revolutionary. And the, the only thing I really did with this film, lots of people say, oh, is it all about women over 50 or how have you treated those themes? I just took really women around 50 and put them at the centre of the story. Uh, and so they're not there as somebody's mother and they're not there as somebody's mm. wife. They're just in the middle of everything. I saw this on the weekend and the cinema was just roaring with laughter, Renee. It was so great. Did you set out to make a comedy or was it something else? uh, That's really great to hear. Thank you, Rana, that people were laughing, especially, um, Mm. uh, I mean, we've been a few months in cinemas now, so we are coming, you know, we're going to be available streaming, et cetera, soon. And, you know, I never meant for this to be as hilarious as cinema audiences find it. I think it's probably a bit different if you watch it at home on the couch and if you watch it in a cinema with other people. I kind of, I wanted to have fun, um, but when I do comedy, I, I kind of lean more towards um, not trying to be funny, but just playing the stakes for what they really are. And it is a bit naughty and I do have a little <laughs> bit of fun and I just think audiences you know, had a really good time. Oh, yeah, there was some, <laughs> definitely some nervous laughter going on, particularly with some of yeah. the men in the room. Oh, yeah, there were men in there. There were audience. men, not many, I have to say, <laughs> but the men that were there were laughing their heads off. Yeah, because I did, I saw it yesterday, actually. It was a quite a delicious thing to take myself off to the cinema on mm. a Monday afternoon by myself. Oh. And it was an audience full of all women with their girlfriends. And likewise, they we all loved it. Um, it's an interesting thing at the moment. I don't know if it's happened by accident. I guess it has because I don't imagine that all of you got together to do this. But there's a Tilda Swinton film coming out mm. in which she has a genie at her disposal. And there's the Emma Thompson film um, in which she hires a male prostitute uh she's over 60 of course and so that and now your film so it's in an interesting time where we're having this conversation about oh my gosh women have what happened women? to all of you <laughs> yeah did you all get together and say, yeah we're gonna talk about this yeah but it's a really lovely thing i think and a new thing um what was the genesis of it for you Well, my genesis um, began actually many years ago. So it's interesting that comment you said that suddenly there's all these things coming out because it takes years to Mm, write, prepare, finance, Mm. cast, shoot, edit, produce, and then release a film. Often when we have a film, you know, you hold it back for a while until it's released. So all this stuff must be kind of brewing away. And where my inspiration came from, I don't know if I would have done it if I hadn't found out about this company, um, Australian company, who ran sexual services for women. So I read about them 
and then saw a little video link about them and then read everything I could about them. So they ran, um, you know, they worked in the sex industry. I have this really narrow idea of what the sex industry is and knew nothing about it, but they were so counter to my understanding of it. They described themselves as housewives and they were just there to have female clients. Um, so eventually I, I rang them up to kind of ask all the questions you want to ask, like, is this legal? And um, and then the really interesting question, who are your clients? Mm. Who are these women who are prepared to pay for a sexual experience? And who were their clients? So then this was the super interesting part. I thought the clients would be in somewhere this um, women who um, want a transactional experience, who are, you know, uh, wealthy enough, um, don't are not in a relationship. But actually, a lot of their clients were people who hadn't had sex for a long time, didn't want to use um, a hookup system. They wanted to feel safe. They wanted to know they had quality in the experience. And some of them, and this is the super interesting bit, I think, were women who just didn't know how to get started again but obviously sex was important enough to them that they weren't prepared to give up and they backed mm. themselves enough that they would pay for that I that to me I was that. just like surely there's something here and I began to write a movie yeah. and, and that was that was one of the moving moments of the film for me was when at some point um uh the lead uh character says I think you're rediscovering yourself and that notion of not giving up on yourself mm. That you're worthy of pleasure. Oh, it was just, it was like the fist pump moment of the movie for me, really. Mm. I love that nobody gets off the hook in this movie, though. There is so much male insecurity in this movie as well, and, and you did such a beautiful job of showing that. Did you have conversations with men as well in the making of this movie? Um, I did. Um, I, I read and looked a lot about um, men who do work as gigolos and again spoke to these women about how they employ them um the women who ran the company how do you how do you decide a staff member is gonna um you know that you, you want to engage them so i learned about that process but then as a filmmaker what i was interested in is um you know that the one of the themes of the movie is vulnerability so mm. the women experience vulnerability but we have all these ideas that you know what a male gigolo would be so I was super interested to take an unexpected one um, and to see what it's like for men who weren't maybe planning on doing that work and were given the opportunity a do they want to b do they think they can <laughs> and um, and to unpack them a bit more maybe there's a good-looking guy who looks like the world comes easily for him but maybe there's more going on in his life like in this film um, he's a man who really wants a baby mm. we don't get to hear about that very often Mm, yeah, the the men were very interesting characters, I thought, and mm. and sort of comic, but not comic foils in a in a lot of ways. Yeah, and and also, I I really liked that they didn't have perfect bodies. Agreed. There was a four pack, <laughs> not a six pack. <laughs> Yeah, which I loved. Yeah, and one thing I was sort of noticing as well, and there's a great point um, in the movie where uh, they get into the kind of details of what women find sexy, and it's so specific. Mm. There are some moments where we're getting into real specifics about the way you take your top off versus you know just chucking it away, and I and I. Is that a woman thing? Are we very specific about our sexuality, do you think, Renee? 
Well, you know, what I was trying to do there was acknowledge the title of the film is How to Please a Woman. And I wanted to acknowledge that it's probably not very easy. <laughs> and, um, you know, this is marketed as a chick flick and you have mostly women in the audience. But all the men who go have, that I'm aware of, and, and not just, um, you know, we're assuming a heterosexual paradigm, so mm -hmm. not always heterosexual men as well mm -hmm. and women. Um have had a really good time and so men often have kind of flagged it and shared it as the perfect date night movie like if you have to pick a movie to take your partner to um this is a good one um but um um yeah we tried i i was um super interested to hear what it was like or to kind of go a little bit into the men's world or to and to understand that perspective that all women are different and it's not the same every time with each woman, but also for women to kind of own that a bit as well. Um, mm. So the, this movie views sex as a conversation between people and it acknowledges that that conversation will change with time and like all conversations continues to change. So it just really, there's all this fun and there's this kind of, there is a slightly mad kind of plot going on that is fun, but underneath it all is this kind of very honest unpacking of things. And I try to be just really honest in that look at sexual exchanges, even though some of them are a bit hilarious, about just the, the working out that happens every time. Yeah, and I think it's a good point to make that it is, you know, we need to be um, responsible for our own pleasure in a lot of ways and actually mm. being open and honest and courageous in having that conversation with our partners. Um it was a very relatable thing, not in my own marriage, but in my friends' marriages where we see a marriage that's been around for a long time where there's no spark and you're just like, ugh, this is just this uh, drudgery that can happen if you don't make an effort from both sides of the of the of um, the relationship, then both parties in the relationship. Um, I really loved that. I also love that you're making cinema in Australia, which isn't mm. easy. Uh, so, I, and I know because a dear friend of mine, Ros Hammond, is a part of your cast, and she described it to me as a labour of love for you. How was it making <laughs> this film, and how do we how do we get more audience for Australian cinema? Um, so that's a really tough one. How do we get more audience for Australian cinema? We did a few things with this movie. Um, I really wanted this movie to not just be an Australian film, but to play in the world. And it's mm -hmm. been really great for us. We're on, we just dropped on Sky um, TV in the UK. So we're playing as a Sky original there and we're opening in American cinemas this week and we'll be on streamers there. So what I did as a director is I made choices to try and help the film have the right kind of production value that felt like it could sit alongside the bigger, more expensive movies. And I'll tell you this, what that means as a director is you surrender some of your directing time. You spend more time getting everything looking right and you get less time to do your stuff. Um, so it's a tough call. Um, so I'm talking about when you're filming it there, like how long you spend lighting a room to get it looking right, mm. um, where you spend your money uh, on your cameras and these things. I'm not um, trying to say all Australian films should do that. I'm just trying to answer. This is what we did to try and mm -hmm. help our film play internationally. Um, we brought across one international cast member, Sally Phillips, which was so exciting for us to cast her. And she plays a woman who's been living in Australia for 20 years. Mm. Um, and her friends still give her, you know, give her a hard time for being British. 
so it can, you know, like it or not, it can help to have an international cast. The reach of your film is all about your cast. Mm -hmm. the, the really important creative decision in my mind is, are you going to pretend they're Australian or are mm. you going to say they're not Australian? Because in reality in Australia we have, and in all the countries we have people oh, she, from... She does a great accent too, I have to yeah. say. In the yeah, movie. she did. Very much she so. She did this kind of thing which was not a full English accent but not a, I did ask, please don't, Please don't play as an Australian. Please don't do a full Australian accent. Um, and so she just kind of softened it a bit. So she, she doesn't sound the same as everyone else. Um, but she's still all the time, you know, several times there are lines in the film just acknowledge mm. she's British. We're not trying to pretend anything else. What was that process like trying to get Sally? She's huge and I'm a massive fan. So I was so thrilled to go and yeah. watch her. What was that like? Well, what you do when you're trying to... Um, reach an international cast member is we have our casting agent she has an agent so you go through this chain and you just send the script and you kind of send it on bended knee and you hope they'll read it because for cast members they get scripts all the time um and maybe they don't want to come to australia so you never know with sally so i sent it sort of hoping against hope she read it and came back straight away and she really loved it and not only that and, and we had a meeting straight up and she had connected. It helps when your cast member really connects to the script. She really loved the script to start with. Um, and then we connected really strongly right away. And at that first meeting, she arrived like with statistics. So <laughs> Sally was like, do you know that when um, a woman, uh, when a heterosexual woman gets married, her life expectancy goes down. And when a heterosexual man gets married, his life expectancy goes up. <laughs> And in her mind, and I agree, like, I think housework has something to do with it. You know, just the caring load. And then the other stat she had, which was super interesting, is, um, you know, which is now falling under, we're hearing about it more now, the pleasure gap. Mm. Heterosexual married women have the least orgasms of all the kind of groups. If you were to group up all the married, not married, heterosexual, all the things, um, heterosexual married women have the fewest so mm. orgasms <laughs> became a thing in the film um and that was also specific for me because in the movie we don't talk about kind of wanting sex it um it feels kind of needy instead it's something more specific than that and it's more fun it's more playful yeah, yeah. I, I feel now i need to count my orgasms. Yeah, I, I was just thinking that. I think my brain went off into a completely different place like, then as you were talking, Renee. I don't really need to make take. I'm going to keep a little tally for myself now. But I really love that the conversation was there around, you know, what do women love more, sex and pleasure or someone to do our housework? Mm. And let me tell you. I'm keen on both. Um, so thank you so much for the film. It's really wonderful. And Rana, I did uh, notice your tweet yesterday about Genuine's Pony, which yes. is, I mean, it's, thank God you've uh, you've used oh, a little bit of that track. I was going to say, I, I almost applauded when that started to creep in <laughs> in one of the scenes. I thought it's got to be there. And yes. sure enough. Yeah, there it yes. is. <laughs> so that track, I was so excited to use it, is a cover by Abby May who is, mm. you know, fantastic um, artist here in WA. So for, for me, that was so exciting to get the rights to license it and then use an Australian mm. artist to do a cover. That's another way of, you know, using international commercial aspects to your film but keeping the Australian-ness mm. on board. 
Oh, congratulations. It it is clear that you have to be very clever to make film in Australia, and you've done so by making a really fun, raunchy, beautiful film, but something that I think is um, has real heart and a lot a lot of points well made in this film. So thank you so much, oh, Renee. It's you. wonderful. Thanks. Yeah, it's been great to talk about it with you. Thanks, Joe and Rana. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, Make thanks sure you so get much. out and see How to Please a Woman. Thanks so much and all the best. I hope it gets lots and lots and lots of people watching it. Yeah, it has been. It's been great. Thank you. Oh, Rana, we're way over. It's oh, been a day. Of course we are. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a day. It's been one of those. It's been great. Yeah, it's been lovely. I'm glad that you made it to the building. You got a little lost. I did. And we got a little lost along the way finding our our (laughs) guests as well. But here we are and we'll have to get you back. I would love to be back. This has been such a thrill. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and when both of us have our own talk shows, in which we both are Australia's version to Oprah. Oprah and Gail. (laughs) We've we've got it sorted already. Let's do it. Yes, I can't wait. Oh, thank you, love, so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And we'll be back with more Broad Radio. I keep saying that, Bradio. Oh, my gosh. We'll be back with Broad Radio next Tuesday. We'll see you then. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.